This episode is presented by Lost Bell Wines. Rebranding from one of the oldest wineries in Nova Scotia, Lost Bell is bringing a new twist to classic wines. The Lost Bell Rosé is sure to be your new go-to refresher with a gorgeous pink color and deliciously simple taste and finish. If rosé isn't your thing, their Saval or Baco Noir will be sure to thrill your taste buds. All of their wines are handcrafted in Falmouth, Nova Scotia by their wonderful winemaker, Tony. Kick back and sip the flavors of the valley with Lost Bell Wines by St. Femi. Welcome to the morning meeting with Sarah and Jess, where the tea is hot, the wine is chilled, and no topic is off limits. Pull up a chair and join us. There is room for all of you here. We won't limit seating, we'll just build a bigger table. Let's, Let's begin, begin today's meeting. Hi everyone, welcome back to the morning meeting with Sarah and Jess. We are so happy that you are back around our table. This week's episode is part two of our chat with Mayor Amanda McDougall on the importance of inclusivity. Our first episode with Amanda was released on February 21st, last Monday, and you can listen to that one before jumping into this one. We pick up right where we left off, where Mayor McDougall continues telling us about the importance of inclusivity and equity in her professional and personal life. Enjoy. Yeah, early intervention's amazing. Amazing. And even like, you know, I had an appointment with early intervention last week and I asked, you know, Emmett's doing great. He has no heart condition. His lungs are fantastic. Like physically he's just like healthy as a horse. Um, but I want to help him with speech and I want to help him because he has a hearing deficit. So, you know, for me to talk to early intervention and be like, how do I learn sign language? Like, what do I do? Do I go somewhere? Like, is there somewhere I sign up? I don't know. (laughs) They will source out your resources and support, which is yeah. yeah. And I got a book from on paper books and I'm not trying to say that they just like have an amazing, amazing sign language book there. That is, is great. That's awesome. Yeah. These are all things that you have to learn though, right? Like things that you, you weren't necessarily aware of, or that other parents may not necessarily have to think about. And we talked about like what barriers and challenges in the community you may not have recognized or realized before Emmett arrived or maybe what are some that you, in your role as a parent, like knowing what you know now, what you have to learn, would you say that the children, even the children within the Down Syndrome Society, is there is there common occurrences in these things that you can expect and you can, mm-hmm. or do some of these vary depending on the children? Oh, yeah. No, there's a, <clears throat> I'll never be more grateful than our physiotherapist at the regional hospital she, um, you know, I'm stressing out over these milestone lists, right? Right. Oh, just a, just a disaster. And she was like, um, I'm going to print you off a milestone list. That's more fitting with somebody who has Down syndrome. Incredible because you're working from yeah. the wrong document. So you're just setting right. yourself up for this stress, mm-hmm. this extra it's stress. On, it's on my fridge. I'm good. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like something, yeah. something like that is so simple. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, such a relief on your mind because you're, I'm always, I always feel like, am I, am I doing enough? And this is not right. right. As a mom of a child with different abilities, this is just a mom. Yeah. We all feel like, hey, like, do I know enough to be teaching this young human how to be a human? Like it's right. a big deal, but this also seeps into Amanda, the mayor very, very much because now I'm thinking to myself, what should our community priorities be? 
how can we be more inclusive? And what does inclusivity mean? It doesn't mean, you know, any one thing. It is so many things that we have to continuously evolve and educate Mm -hmm. and learn how to be inclusive. And I think the biggest thing is giving every child the opportunity to be with their peers in their community. Bingo. It's major, major, right? Mm -hmm. And I think when we look back on like years ago, and you mentioned that earlier, we have come a long way. Daycare centers have come a long way. Programs that like we have come a long way, but there are still gaps. There are a lot of gaps. And I think it's important that we have these conversations. We ask the hard questions to say, what more can we be doing to ensure that every child, not just a handful, because there's a lot of programs that do put the, you know, things in place that they can support children with different abilities, but not every child, not every child gets the opportunity. But this is it. And then we also have to think about, okay, how do we make it easier for parents to access resources? So I think about this very much as, you know, an elected official and a decision maker, the things that I want to advocate for. So we know that our our current provincial government is really, really focusing on healthcare. Mm -hmm. Okay. What does healthcare mean? Healthcare means so many different things to different people. The fact that I had to travel up every three weeks to Halifax during my pregnancy is a really big deal. In a Um, pandemic. In a pandemic, and I fully recognized my privilege in the sense that I had a job that was flexible. I didn't have to miss work. Um, I I could take time and not lose paychecks. We had the ability to pay for that gas, to do that travel. Um, And now even still with Emmett, we're followed at the IWK. Mm -hmm. So for him, like the last round of appointments that he had, I had to go up on Sunday, stay the night, take him into the IWK on Monday, then travel back that afternoon and evening. That is huge. That's two days. That's a that's a hotel room. That's food. All of this needs to be taken into account when we're talking about healthcare, when we're talking about how do we create welcoming and inclusive communities? How yeah. what are the things that people need to be able to support their families at home? And at home is very important because. I I see a lot in this role. I see a lot that will, you know, shake people to the core when it comes to the poverty that our community faces, the stuff that children are dealing with on a daily basis, really heavy, heavy, heavy things. How do we make that heavy load lighter for them, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting in awe, like listening to you speak and thinking of all, you're so right. Like what does healthcare mean? And the importance of inclusivity and equitable spaces for kids and for families in all of these different areas, whether it's healthcare or education, um, in the political and personal spheres. We talk about what what we can do as community members and what we all can do. And, and going back to those first few feelings you had about, you know, worrying about based from your experiences, worrying then about how people would treat Emmett and what they would say and, and the what he, trying to protect him from all of that. What can we do? So for all the families out there, what can we teach our children? What do you want others to know, others to learn? I think we're all part of this, right? We can all be advocates. Maybe that's a strong word. We can all do our part to create mm-hmm. these inclusive and equitable spaces. Do you have any advice for people who want to make sure they're focusing and they're teaching their kids that? Well, I think um, asking questions when you don't fully understand something and, and making it possible to ask questions too. So 
again, I, I think back to even bringing up this topic that, hey, Ro, your brother has Down syndrome. That probably was much more difficult because of my head right. and my mind than it, the conversation actually was. And so, that, and that's because, I don't know, I feel like when I grew up, children who had different abilities, they weren't in my classroom per se. Right. They were a little bit of the time. Mm. And the terminology that was used around why they were in different classrooms was really negative and really, right. like, it segregated them. You just didn't talk about it. Right. You didn't talk about it because it was hard. And so right. like letting all of that go and trying to find the words and the conversations to make it an inclusive, like you can't, it, it's hard to even talk about it, right? Like yeah. making these changes is tough. So making space to ask questions and also being comfortable to ask questions is really important. You know, I, I, I feel like in my role as mayor, talking about it at every opportunity I possibly can, mm-hmm. not just down syndrome, but right. talking about, um, you know, I have a new position in my office that just started last week, and that's the municipal Indigenous advisor position. Big deal. And oh, when we're talking about inclusivity and, and equity, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm not going to say her name yet because I want her to introduce herself to the community because she's a spectacular human. But um, asking her, you know, what are some low hanging fruit things that you would do at City Hall? Like just taking a glance around, she was like, yeah, this place place is really stark and cold. Mm. It is not welcoming. It, it has no, it, it, there's no representation of the diversity mm. in our community anywhere. Right. It is wow. gray walls and gray floors and closed doors and not very represented. Like, how would I feel if I was a newcomer from India coming into this building being like, yeah, this place is, yeah, this, I, I gotta go. This is not. Right. Mm-hmm. right? What's it communicating? Yeah. Exactly. And so I, I took that to heart and I'm like, holy moly, like simple things that we can do just to create space. Like you say, yeah. you, say you say these things so well, create the space. That's it. Yeah. 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 And you say like equality, that's the word I was missing before. Like equality and equity are different, both very important, but we have to recognize you talked about your privilege of being able to leave work and being able to travel and and pay for the gas and get the hotel and et cetera. And there's the reality is just so many people in our community can't do that. Or if they do it, it's choosing that over paying the bill that month or whatever it may be, which isn't creating that space for them. Right. And I think getting comfortable, and I've said this before, but getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, like we just have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable so that we can have these hard conversations that we think are hard, but maybe they're easier than we expect. And we're making them harder in our heads because we're scared to offend someone or we're scared to say the wrong word. We're scared with our language. But if we can just have the belief that we're all coming from the best place possible and trying to learn, I think the education happens in the uncomfortable. When you think about kids, like they're born the most accepting humans. Kids are the most accepting people on the face of the earth and all the other stuff that comes with it is learned behavior. And I mean, I, I always say to Logan, like we used to saying, we're different. We're the same. We all have noses. We all have mouths. We all have eyes. We all have hair. We all have skin, skin's different color. Eyes are different shapes. Noses are different shapes. Mouths are, some have braces. Some have black hair. Some have curly hair. We are all different, but we're the same. 
And I really think that that line can go so far. Mm -hmm. And even we were watching, um, I don't know, I think it was like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse the other day. And Donald Duck was making like those weird faces. And he said something along the lines of, Donald Duck looks so different. And he said, he, he, what did he say? I don't think he's used the word weird, but like he looks so funny or like, or maybe he used the word weird. I don't know. He used some sort of word that would explain that like he is different from the others. And I just said, no, I said, Donald Duck isn't weird or whatever word he used. I said, he's just different. He's different, but he's the same. He was just like, oh yeah. Like I said, look at, he has a, a different mouth than Mickey, but his mouth still uses the mouth. Yeah. He still uses his mouth to eat and talk and whatever. It's just different, but he's the same. And right. I think that term or that line can go so, so far because with little ones, especially toddlers, you can't overcomplicate it. They don't get it. No. <laughs> right. So but you just got adults you know. really, right? Yeah, like we overcomplicate exactly. things. We just have to keep it simple. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm a politician. <laughs> like, yeah. Do we yeah. want to talk about overcomplicating? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's so But true. I think just being willing to have yes. those conversations with our little ones, it all comes back to being uncomfortable. Just have the conversation. That's the start. Buy some books. Sesame, there's Sesame Street. We're different. We're the same book. There's so many books. We have one too that talks about different abilities, about having dyslexia, having asthma, and how this child needs to take a puffer to school and what that is. Children in wheelchair, blind children, like there's, it's an incredible book. And it's basically around the basis of a garden and how, if you look at a garden, it has all different flowers and all different things that grow that all have different meaning, but everything that grows in the garden has a purpose and it's important. And without each one, we couldn't have a, a beautiful garden. And yeah, it's just okay. a really good concept. I'll have to um I'll have to link the book or show the book so our listeners can can check it out. But there's some really, really sweet books that just get on toddlers' levels, children's levels, and it's amazing. So I'll definitely have to share that. But yeah, it's just have the conversations. Don't be afraid to ask questions, like we said. I think those are the at least where to start anyway, right? And so it's it's interesting that concept for toddlers is very, very relevant and needed for adults. Right. And so I think about things like we don't have general committee and regional council meetings every month because I always felt like we had the same meeting twice. So I was like, scratch that. Let's have a themed meeting every month. And so every month we have a different theme. I think one was tourism. Another one was environment. We have one coming up about electoral reform, essentially, like, do we want to see the same structure when it comes to council going forward or should we explore different options? And at least, you know, you might not be making decisions per se in those, those meetings, but you're having a conversation about yeah. something, you're mm-hmm. focusing on it mm-hmm. and you're saying, okay, well, I like this. I like that. I need to learn more about this. Um, and here's some things that we could do in the interim, like some little small, quick actions. Right. And, and that's it. And, and that's life. Right. And I don't know, <sighs> again, like, I go back to that silly six day return to the office yeah. that was so silly. and I have a wonderful friend, Emily Lutz. She's um, deputy mayor down in Kings and she's like a superstar, remarkable human being, three kids, just killing it in her career. But she had the hard dis- the discussions with her council and was like, I cannot do this without some sort of support for childcare. Like I've got three kids. If you want me to be at these committee meetings and to be able to give my 100%, 
there needs to be some sort of support for childcare. And so her council decided they would have up to, I don't know, X amount of dollars per year for childcare supports. Amazing. Right. People still give her grief and they're oh, like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't believe that you would use taxpayers dollars. She's like, I'm, I'm elected and I'm doing this job. And my kids, mm-hmm. like a lot of municipalities across the province, these roles are part-time and they're paid very, very, very little. And so, yeah, spending 50 bucks a week on, on, on childcare for a couple of meetings, that's significant. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's a nonverbal representation of value, like take away the monetary value, but just the value of the work they do. And good for her. That makes me so inspired because I think as women, and I'll speak from my experience, And it's no fault of anyone else, but my own. I mean, maybe the collective everyone else in terms of society and social conditioning, but no, no particular people that I work with because everyone that I've been lucky enough to work with, lucky enough, have been very supportive. But I think often as women, because if we're choosing to have a family and advance in our careers or work towards our career goals, we're, we're made to feel like we have to sacrifice one for the other or one has to overcompensate for the other or whatever, or we keep one private. Like I think when I was off with Bo and coming back from maternity leave, I tried to keep my work life and my home life as separate as possible because I didn't want to look weak or less than if I had to take my child to an appointment or leave early for whatever. Or So I kept them separate. And it was the second time around that I realized I learned more about communication from my kids than ever before. And I on maternity leave with twins, I learned more about time management and conflict resolution <laughs> and commute the importance of communication and effective listening and all of that. Those relationable, we call them soft skills. I argue they're hard skills than ever before. And I think it makes me a better employee and a better colleague and a better educator. And I realized this time how silly of me to try and keep those separate, right? To hide that. So good for her to be able to say, if you want my best self at this meeting, I need to know my kids are being cared for and absolutely extra financial stressor. Like it's not, it does not make her less than in her role makes no. her more than right. Like that. Oh, she's like that stigma. Like it's amazing. Oh, she, she's amazing. She's so amazing, but this yeah. is it. Right? And when like we were talking before about having that community of support around you, it is it's so important. It, it's funny before we were doing this podcast this evening, I was with another group of women online and Bre- Mayor Brenda from Port Hawkesbury and Morden Amanda from Richmond. We were just chatting about this wonderful project that we're involved in mentoring um, people who are interested, women who are interested in getting involved in politics, be it municipal or First Nations, and doing training courses and providing them all the education. But the three of us were talking and we're like, but we never do anything to support the, us after we're elected. We're just like floundering around. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so we were like, okay, we need to do something. We need to like bring us together because there are three brand new elected officials in Victoria County, or not Victoria, Inverness County, women elected. And this year has been a remarkable disaster for anybody Mm -hmm. who was elected in municipal elections, because you were online, you didn't get that team building piece that is so, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, so important when it comes to a good decision-making body. Um, The stress of the pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) You didn't 
you don't get that experience of being in council chambers where you're like watching people make decisions and have conversations and debate. You're on right. a screen and it's right. just yeah. completely yeah. different. It's um, isolating, I'm sure. Yeah. And so we were like, we gotta, we gotta bring it together. We we need to make sure everybody's okay and do a check-in. Like it's a great this idea. Is, yeah. And so it's so I wish there was a book. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you should write one. Consider. Oh there you go. Your extra time. Start writing the book. I just wish there was a book. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about uh, questions, and both uh, Amanda and Jessica, you both made such important points about asking questions and providing the space to ask questions, and allowing people to ask the questions, and being there to have that dialogue. And I forget where I heard this. I heard it recently, and I tried it in my class last semester. And the difference is amazing. And we talk about the importance of language in all sorts of ways. But usually in my class, I would say, do you have any questions? And usually there's crickets. Yeah. Has a question, <laughs> or people are too scared to ask the question. And someone said, you should rephrase it and say, what are your questions? Mm. And I thought, wow, because I'm not asking someone, do you have a question? The answer to that is yes or no. That's a closed question. Do you have any questions? Well, I do, but I'm scared to ask them. Yeah. But when you rephrase it and say, what are your questions? Because we all have them. So someone give me one. I really found a difference in my students. They would, someone would then ask me their question. So I think it's interesting how like little words or little phrases and little pieces of our dialogue can have influence and knowing if we're creating those safe spaces to really have maybe uncomfortable conversations so that we can all learn and grow. There's so much value to that, right? Well, I was For just going to say involved. that you're welcoming questions at that point. You're not just, right. you're not just being like, do you have any questions? Just because it's just like what you do. You just ask, right. do you have any questions? Right. Anyone have any questions? And then you move on. Nobody right. does. And you move on. Right. When you're saying what questions do you have? You, like you just said, you're creating that space to say, I'm here to listen. Yeah. So ask, right? Yeah. Huge difference. Yeah. And I think that, you know, bringing back to kids too, like what a game changer to right. say to our children, what questions do you have? I feel right. like they'll be like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I'll pull up my list. <laughs> yeah. One sec, I'll get my Rolodex So, Like, I no, I'm going to do this in council. I feel like yeah, approach too. I, I mean, yeah. oh my gosh. I remember the very first time ever being in council. That room is it's, it's a bit of, kind of like oppressive sometimes. Like it yeah. just it up. It's, ooh, Hell yeah, it's a, lot of, a lot of pressure. And I was so scared to press my little button because you have to put a, press a button and then your name right. shows up in a queue for questions. And I was just like sweating bullets. Just, right. oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on TV. I have to ask a question. And now I have to ask a question right. and it has to be good. Right. Oh my gosh, the pressure to ask a good question in those right. circumstances, right? And so I have a very different style of leadership, I, I like to think, than my previous experiences in council. I try to make space for everybody and be firm when I have to, um, but it's it's tough. It is tough when you are working within an institution that is so old and is so dated, and it just, it does not jive with change. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, let's talk about that experience, if you can elaborate, and I know some of it, maybe not, but uh, where you can elaborate, please do. It, like, talking about 
the challenges you faced when taking office, uh, leadership, being a woman in leadership and what that means, in my opinion, and I think you're an example of this, but I would love to hear your perspective and your experience. I think women from how stereotypically how women are conditioned to communicate and how we're taught to communicate, we actually, contrary to maybe popular belief, (laughs) Our communication styles usually lend itself to be very effective leaders because we're focusing on the people and the environments and the connections. Um, and I think we have qualities for effectiveness. So in your role as a as a woman leader, as a leader, maybe we don't even qualify it, just as a leader. <laughs> what has your experience been in that leadership role? Is that a role you're typically comfortable in? Is it something that you had to get used to when you took the office in this way? No, I like it. I yeah. do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I would, I don't think I would, I would be in this role if I didn't like that concept or, you know, you know, you always see that meme to all the kids, all the women or the girls in, in grade school who were called, I don't know, who's, who were noted as talking too much. Yes. Yeah, really good. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, right. that's right. Oh my gosh. So many times I, I do things differently. I I lead with empathy because that's just who I am. And I know that is often looked upon as a fault, I guess you could say, or being too soft. A weakness. Right. That's such a false narrative, but yeah. I know, but I, I, that's, that's me, but you can't, I can't help. But when I'm in that, when I'm in that realm of politics, it changes you a little bit. It does. You get into this like, fighting mindset. Everything is a battle. And so it's going to take time for us to get out of that and to be more mindful and thoughtful of people. Because I said it at the very beginning, we're public servants. You don't have to fight. Right. (laughs) It doesn't have to be a battle just because they did that in 1876, sort of like robe wearing room with cigars. um, We don't have to do that anymore. And so trying to get away from that is really difficult. Trying to earn the respect. And I'm not just talking about in council, but I'm the president of the Nova Scotia Federation of Municipalities too. So I am effectively the voice of all 49 municipal units in the province. Wow. Yeah. And so there's been times that I feel like I'm being spoken to differently because Mm -hmm. I'm in my thirties for a short time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am a woman. I am a mom. I do things differently. I've had comments. Oh, you're just so cute and artsy. No, you stop it right now. What? (laughs) And also like different doesn't have to mean wrong. Like just can people just be more open-minded because we talked about this with um, Kathleen in in our last episode about like, you said like, I'm in my 30s you have a fresh mind, you have fresh ideas. How exciting is that? Like, let's embrace that instead of just always like shutting it down. Because like I said, it's not what you did or not what they did or what not what the municipality did hundreds of years ago. It's not relevant because what society was hundreds of years ago wasn't what it is now. Oh my gosh, my favorite thing to say when I was a counselor um, and it would be brought up time and time again. Well, you know, during the time of amalgamation, when amalgamation was taking place, and I was like, guys, I'm super sorry. I was 12 and it was just yeah. not on my radar. So can we 
think about right now. Yeah, exactly. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> it would just drive me bonkers because I'm like, guys, I was watching Family Matters. Yeah. No, TGI Friday, like. Yes. What's Saturday morning? Sincerely did not pay attention to amalgamation. Um, wow. And, and People are fearful of change. Fearful. Oh. Of change. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> because remarkably, the CBRM voted in a pregnant 30 year, 30 some year old. Yes. Woman, right. And so I that sure did. Is possible. That was, yes. Yeah. Well, that means people want change, right? We right. are people are ready that we, yeah, we're ready yeah. for it. You know what? Change makers like yourself, I think are often celebrated by the masses in retrospect, right? Like you do the hard work now. And those of us who see what you're doing and believe in what you're doing root for you the whole way, but to have the collective celebration yeah. usually happens after the hard work is done. And when the change takes place, you usually don't get your recognition un- until then, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm good with very little recognition. I think I've had enough. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> but cute and artsy, come on. That is so diminishing. They would never have called a male cute and artsy. No, no. And I know that. And, I, and the thing is, it, it's funny because... I will also get comments from people saying, you know, you all, you have to stand up. You got to fight more for yourself. And I'm like, what's the point? Sometimes you have right. to pick and choose your battles. And that is very, very important. I don't have time to fight every single little battle. Right. I don't. But then if you, if you learn from those, if you're listening, if you're hearing it, you can find the time to address it when it's going to be most effective in right. that moment. Probably not. Probably not. But when you can use it as a teachable moment, bigger and reach more people that, that, I don't know. It's just, I'm I'm not the same woman I was when I started as a counselor and I was so soft. I was, I was, and, and like would scroll through comments and be like, Oh, geez, Louise. Well, Betty there is pretty upset with me. I got to call Betty's happy. You know what? People are not going to be happy with me. Please everyone. No, you certainly can't. And so I don't know. I, it's a big weight off my shoulders to be like, eh, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. People are going to be mad. Today they're ha- mad about, and it, I don't know, it could be oh, any number of things, really. <laughs> I don't know. Every day is different, though. You can't keep dwelling on it and, you know, frig the comment section. Yes. That's right. Delete the comment section. I think that those, what you just said, that summarizes your effectiveness as a leader, right? Knowing when to have the teachable moment on what platform, with what audience, where the reach is, where to expend your energy and when to protect it. I think that Mm. is such an incredible- That's huge. Yeah, that's very knowledgeable of you. And you just talked about the comment section and we chatted a little (laughs) bit about this prior to our conversation, but were you someone, I mean, you just said you were soft, so maybe this is answers to the question, but did you have to develop the backbone and did you have to get a little bit more armored up in this role or were you always kind of able to let things roll off your back in that way? Um, I, okay. I, I can talk a big game, but I like things still hurt when, when you see comments, when you see, when you're hearing criticisms, it still stings and it still hurts. I've just gotten really good at, you know, listening to that good advice of hand it off to somebody else to read. Mm. 
I don't have to read everything. I don't, and I shouldn't because it just mm-hmm. takes too much time away from me being good at my job. Right. <laughs> that being said, when it is necessary, I will absolutely intervene and address things and hit them mm-hmm. head on. So the comments that were made about my son, and that was a really big deal to me, really disgusting, horrible comments about him having Down syndrome and just, they were unacceptable. I addressed them on the same platform that they were made, kind of thought about it for a little while. Like, what do I do? What do I do mm-hmm. with these people that are berating my son, my infant? Um, and his- Imaginable. It, oh, it was so gross. But what I did was, took a deep breath, um, talked to the authorities, let them do their jobs. And they found those people and dealt with them. And that is, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you have to remove yourself from it to be the most effective of getting past it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that, that was great. That was fantastic. Yeah. A lot of the times I I just, to engage in it, to engage in those, Mm -hmm. those keyboard warriors, it just, it'll just draining. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to be reactionary though, I'm sure, especially in the role you're in and with the disgusting comments like those that were made. So for you, again, another quality of your effectiveness as a leader to be able to take a step back and not be reactionary and just take a step back, take a breath and think, okay, what is the best way forward and through this Yeah, while still making sure they're held accountable for their mm-hmm. actions, protecting your son, you know, all of those values yeah. you want to touch on while also being responsible in your role. There's so much to like navigate there. I, the fact that you're even having to deal with people talking about your son. Is, <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, I mean, those people, like, I want to say those poor people, but I don't want to have pity on them either. But, but you know I mean, what? We they should have to be operating. Yeah, they're, from a they're sad hurting. And they are and hurting. Happy hurting. Yeah. yeah. Place. And that's exactly that. where it is. And I think that's where the big, the step back in the breath. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my. Yeah. You can be furious and angry, but then digging a little deeper into it, learning who those people are and why they said it doesn't right. make it right. Right. <laughs> Granted. I don't know, but I just. I don't want to hurt them more if they're already hurting either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The reminder of like, we're all humans. We're people trying to people. We're not robots. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, nothing gives me more pleasure than like blocking or unfriending Mm. somebody from being being a turd. Like, yes, absolutely. I'm done. (laughs) Yes. Because those are those boundaries, right? Like we talk about boundaries sometimes and we have to set them for ourselves, (laughs) right? And that was one of our questions for you. And I think you've touched on it, but if you want to elaborate or expand, please do. But how important are boundaries in managing your many roles and responsibilities? So whether that's from you in the public, your family to the public, you and your colleagues, the whole space. I mean, you must've had to either get a quick lesson in setting boundaries, or you must've been good at setting them in the beginning. Hmm. I think I still have a ways to go. (laughs) I'm getting better. I'm definitely getting better, Um, especially with the time. And so what am I going to do on a Sunday morning to correct a pothole? Not a whole lot until Monday morning. So even, you know, I know this sounds so (laughs) insignificant, but putting an automatic response on my social media inboxes, 
to say, hi, thanks for reaching out. If you want to get a hold of me, if you have an issue, here's my email. Yes. Right. And I will respond when I'm back in the office. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a huge deal. That I, is like, a huge deal. I remember being a counselor being like, I have to answer every single phone call in this moment. Right. Like it was just, oh, wow. It was impossibly like it would an unattainable lifestyle. Right. And unsustainable. No balance. Like 24 right? seven no access to you. Yeah. No. The burnout would just be. My mother doesn't even have that access. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) My mother, especially. I think it's easy to fall into that, though, especially if the role is newer, because it's so exciting and you want to, you want to do so much and you want to make change, but then you quickly realize this is not sustainable. But then you've already done all that so it's like oh shoot now I have to try and set the boundary which is now 10 times harder because I mean I just think about that with any any job or any you know even with parenting it's it's hard to to put those boundaries in place and regain that control right so I make a joke Tony DeLorenzo who is my office manager in the mayor's office um I'm her fifth mayor Wow. Like, and she's, she jokes and she says, uh, yeah, I'm going to write my memoirs. It's going to be five mayors and a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. That's I hold her to that. But I, you know, she was so, she is the pillar of knowledge in my office. She's incredible. And, um, we have a great relationship and, but she, she lets me figure things out. She would never interject and be like, no, you should do things this way. This is how things Mm -hmm. are done. She very much respects that it is my office. I will, you know, I will find my way. And so she was really in the very beginning, she'd be like, so you are like, I want to make sure I understand anybody who calls, they can have a meeting with you in your office. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I want to. I want to meet with the people. And she's like, okay, if that's what you want to do. We have now changed to, okay, there are certain days a week that yeah. person meetings. There are, there are some things that she can handle. And yeah, I don't meet with every single person who calls in right. person. It was just, like you said, unsustainable. I could not possibly do my job if I was like, if somebody wants to talk about about, you know, extending water lines into a community, like that doesn't, you don't have to spend an hour having a meeting in person about that. You can let them talk to public works. Right. Right. You you didn't realize how popular you were going Mm -hmm. to be when you were like, yeah, sure. And it's so funny because sometimes she'll like, she'll, she'll chuckle and be like, okay, well, that one took about a year and a half to recognize. Got it. St. Femi has been crafting award-winning wines from the warmth and beauty of the estate vineyard for almost 30 years. Overlooking the beautiful Avon River Valley, St. Femi's winery celebrates the coastal terroir that has been coaxed from the earth, the sun, and the vine that root the winery in stunning Falmouth, Nova Scotia. Inspired by the impressive history and winemaking tradition at St. Femi comes the newest addition to the lineup, Lost Bell by St. Femi Wines. The trio of Lost Bell wines includes Rosé, Saval, and Baco Noir. The fresh look and flavors of Lost Bell set them apart from the competition. Shop on site or online for the complete wine profile, as well as unique locally sourced items. St. Femi ships Canada-wide. SaintFemi.com. www.st-famille.com. How wonderful <laughs> to have someone so supportive, though, allowing you to 
to learn from experience, right? To go through those motions on your own and have Oh, she's, she is, oh, wow. I couldn't do it without her. She's amazing. She threatens to retire all the time. And I said, listen, I'm the mayor. I said, no. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's right. I remember Tony from being younger. My mom used to work at the CBRM and lifetimes ago. And I remember meeting Tony and thinking she was the coolest woman I've ever met. First of all, her name was Tony. And second of all, she's like a little fashionista. Yes. I remember her outfits being like, she's famous. What is she wearing? She's a legend. So cool. She has no idea how cool she is. She is a legend. I know. I love her. So true. But that's it. Like I have the best office. I have the best colleagues. I have, I don't know. I I love my job very, very much. It's very challenging at times, but um, I'm so lucky to be in it. And we're lucky that you're in it I was just going to say that. We're lucky to have you in it. Let's ask you this, Amanda. What have you learned? Or maybe what's one thing or the most important thing you think that you've learned about yourself and about our community? since Hmm. becoming mayor? Oh my, that's a big question. (laughs) It's a tough one. And it's maybe there's multiple things or maybe it's a theme or a word that comes to mind and not. You know what? I I think the most important, yeah, the most important thing I've learned is that you really shouldn't respond without taking that step back first. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be like I said, it could be an issue that is huge. It could be something that is small. But like I said, I don't hide the fact that I leave with my heart. Everything is out there. Um, but that means that sometimes I react really emotionally to things when right. if I take that step back, I can still feel my emotions, but then allow a little bit more logic to come into play right. as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, the, I'm learning that for myself. And I feel like our community is, is doing the same, you know, it's really easy. We, it is, this is, you know, not to be cliche, but unprecedented times and everybody's emotions are just Mm -hmm. all over the place. Um, Their responses to things are going to be huge or small. You, You don't know, you don't know, there's no consistency. And so I think the thing that we all need to work on and continue to learn is, is that patience, you know, you cannot change things in a day. You can't create things in a day and taking a moment to, to think about things before you respond is really, it's really healthy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. A great lesson for all of us Mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm thinking about logic with emotion. (laughs) Yeah. Now do I do that every day? No. we're working towards yeah, yeah. yeah. try just yeah. recognizing it right is the biggest piece yeah that's right being self-aware enough to know mm-hmm. yourself to be try. able to do that right? trying really hard don't write a letter until the next day don't right. write a letter until the next day that's what I'm trying to do it's like the draft email you write it you put it in your drafts you leave for a few hours you come back and you read it you my problem with that is I get a lot of um, DMs on Instagram, like through my sleep business, like it's, it's constant and it's a lot. And my fear is like, but if I don't open it and answer it right away, 
I'll open it and then I'll forget about it and then I won't respond and then I feel terrible. But like, I need to set serious boundaries around it. But that's yeah. my thing. Like, what if I forget to respond? But I like your uh, your idea of putting it in the drafts. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a draft right. section in messages? It in like, it's one. also okay. It's also okay to forget to respond. Like, you can't yeah. oh everything. Like, yeah. I, oh my gosh. I love trees very, very much. Everybody knows that. But the amount of emails that I have printed off, like in a pile, mm-hmm. oh, God, it's just mortifying. Um, but you, you can't possibly do it all. Can't get to it all. Right. No. No. I don't know. You, just, I just feel so bad. Like, you know, yeah. when I don't respond, I mean, this is hardly, I cannot even, am I going to seem silly to relate it to the mayor? But it's just, yeah, like you just feel, I don't know. I do need, I need to set some boundaries too. We talked about that with my goal setting. Yeah, set some freaking boundaries. How about that, girl? You know what well, you can do? Put you an automatic message and tell, put the accountability think, back on people. I'm going to yeah, do that's that. Right. I actually, when you said that, I was like, I gotta, I gotta do an automatic message just so people know. I, I, I see you. I, you're here. Yep. I appreciate I, the yeah. message. I'll get back to you when I can. Exactly. Or if I can, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. If, protect your time. Like, if I can. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think a really important theme that's come out of this conversation, Amanda, through your experience in politics, your professional life, your journey through parenthood and mothering and the arrival of Emmett, we've talked a lot about inclusion and creating welcoming spaces. And do you have any any advice or words of wisdom for other parents who are raising a child with Down syndrome or parents who may be traveling back and forth to the IWK Mm -hmm. right now, worrying that might be the diagnosis, putting, if they are in your shoes, then what advice do you have for them or words of comfort for them? Sooner than later, um, reach out because there is, oh my, such a community of beautiful human beings ready to welcome you and support you and educate you and just be there. And I think, um, Oh gosh, I, those days, it's so like man reflection is something, right? Mm, like, it really going is. back to those days, like I wouldn't talk to anybody about this potential prognosis, diagnosis, because mm. I was just so, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know. And I didn't allow myself to learn. I didn't allow myself to lean on other people. And that, um, gosh, I, I wish I would have. I wish I would have because. There's so much beauty. And mm. I'm telling you, I said this to my cousin, and I don't know if this is an overshare, but um, I remember after Emmett was born and getting to know this little human being, I mean, it's no, anybody who meets somebody with Down syndrome, there's so much joy. Yeah, like, there is. There is so much joy and, and laughter and just adorableness. And my cousin called me and was like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant with my third. And I said to her, I was like, oh, I really hope your baby has Down syndrome. Oh. And then she was like, she's a psychologist. And, and she's like, you know what? I know that comes from a place of deep, deep love. Uh, yeah. yeah. You shouldn't say that to everybody who's pregnant because that could be right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah. I understand what you're saying. However. Yeah. 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 But that's how I feel though. That's that's how I feel. I like, I love my children so much. I love their differences. I love Mm -hmm. how much alike they are. Yeah. Um, I just, oh, you're in for a world of goodness. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? What a nice message. 
It really is. And I think we've said this before in other episodes and I was reminded of it in my experience. Oh, me too. And we've talked of just hearing your experience thus far. And I was reminded of, we've chatted about it before, but comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And we do that all the time. Like you said, as a parent or as a mother watching your kid with other kids or hearing that Jess and I have had these conversations of like our our first boys are in similar ages and it's like oh they're potty trained mine's not yet or oh they're doing that mine's not yet and And stopping ourselves being like we're not going to do this why are we doing that why are we doing that to our perfect little humans (laughs) learning it's not fair to them we're just and why are we doing it? It's right. We're, we don't love them any less or we don't, you know, it's and just they this, don't care. They oh. don't care. And it doesn't matter <laughs> if they're healthy and happy. And, you know, it's this fear of as like, long as they're happy. That's it. It's this. Yeah, that's right. It's this yeah. fear of like they're like you said, the protecting them of from the outside world as if some toddler is going to judge the toddler for not being potty trained yet or something. No, like, it's parents worried care. about other parents judging them. That's what it right. is. You're not right. like. Right. And I used to think back, like, how would, Lo- what would Logan think if he knew that I was like asking another parent about their child? Like, w- does your child do this yet? Right. Like, I feel like he would be like, how rude mom. Like, oh I get there. Right. But think about this. Did our moms do that? Like, right. I don't know. Yeah. Oh God, they probably did. I wonder. <laughs> I don't know, but I think about like, I really think about being younger and I have like a big family on my mom's side and we would all be at my grandmother's house on Sundays, sitting around while the adults would be around the table, drinking tea and eating pie. And all of the cousins would be kind of around and every single one of us are different. Like right. so, 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 so different. Okay. Funny thing is, I don't think I've ever felt that though. Like, I don't know if they did. I don't know if they did compare us because I never, ever felt compared to, and I never felt, I never, ever felt like they were talking about, I feel like they were just living life. Right. Do you think it's because we have access to just like, I don't know if it's reliable, but so much information. Too. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, 100%. Access to information yeah. has changed and our access to other people's lives. Like my so, mother wasn't watching her. Everyone was just so much more accepting them taking their first step. Right. So when they add their first meal or, you know, so, so we have constant access. So going back to that, what advice would I give to somebody who, you know, was going through the tests at IWK, the waiting for the results from the NIPT test, like yes. all that stuff. Um, don't go on the internet. Right. <laughs> don't Google Oh my gosh. And it's like, I'm a complete hypocrite because of course that's what I did for nine months. Yeah. And you know, it, it just, I, I loved, Oh, I loved being pregnant so much. Um, and those moments, I feel like it took away some of those really wonderful Mm -hmm. moments of like being there and being present and recognizing what a gift this is. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I just hacked a medical journal. I'm going to read this. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. And going back to the comparison is the thief of joy. We all do it in parenthood and these various stages of developmental stages of our kids. But I think we can do it in our pregnancies and our expectations for children and babies as well. Right. So 
you were had an expectation of what this should be, or you were worried, and maybe it robs us of moments of joy because we are so worried about the unknowns, right? Or it being different than we expected in some way. It's so interesting, like reflection, like you said. Oh, heck what of we a can tool. learn. Heck of a yeah, tool. It, it really is. <laughs> it really is. I think, I think that's important for parents too. Like, like you said, you're in for so much joy. It's going to be okay. It's going to be amazing. Your kids are going to be so loved, right? And I think we just need to realize that like, it takes all kinds of kinds to make the world go round. And I mean that in a million different ways. Let's just celebrate every child for who they are, where they are. And let that be it, you know? Like, and every mother too. Every like you know we're every like parent. every baby is perfect just the way they are. Then that's all like that it. you know. Oh, I love you, my baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you think Amanda through that process and you know making those those travels back and forth to Halifax every three weeks? And you mentioned you had three miscarriages prior, which adds another layer, right? Every day mm-hmm. in that fourth pregnancy must have been like a worry and a gift. You're like, yay, but yay, but so you're trying to stay present, but also being aware of the experiences you had. And it's such an emotional roller coaster anyway. And then that layered on top of it and every drive back and, and with the original test of the, what did they call the new, the, the nuchal translucency. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. When you got really. that first yeah. number and that, you know, one, one determinant of it, do you think you let yourself process that from that day no. forward or were you ignoring it? Oh, I was absolutely ignoring it because I was also in the midst of a political campaign. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. It was, it was almost like, I I hate to say this, but it's almost a blessing that I had such a crappy, terrible, challenging campaign um, because it did take my mind away from Right. Some of those hurt. And maybe that's not the healthiest way of coping, but I would, I would just like, okay, okay. This is what I learned today. This is what I have to do tomorrow. I also have to go and now try to become a mayor. Um, mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't. And I think even still to this very moment, I'm still going through the emotions of my son having down syndrome. And I don't say that in a negative way, but it makes me a different mom. I I have to do different things. I'm learning. And maybe if I would have given in and let myself um, process it earlier on, I might not have to go through the crash courses I'm going through now. I could have been more prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Hindsight, 2020, all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like Emmett is um, wildly flexible. And it's because of the low muscle tone um, that many folks who are born with Down syndrome have. And so like, oh my gosh, I remember the first day he rolled, like when he was rolling over, his arm was like behind him and he rolled and it it just like flat, it just like flattened out behind him. Wow. And I'm like, holy crumbly, I got to call the ambulance because he's got, Mm -hmm. he just dislocated his shoulder. Nope. He is just so wildly, um, flexible and maybe if I wouldn't have like obsessed over medical journals on, on stuff that was relevant <laughs> right, right. Know, like, okay let's just talk about the human being superpowers yeah right yeah yeah oh he's so flexible it's wild 
That's amazing. And he also has the cutest hairstyle going right now. Oh my God. It is so adorable. Super killer baby mullet. Yes. I'm obsessed. (laughs) So much luxurious hair for a one-year-old, right? Is he one now? Just over one. He is one. Yeah. He was one in November. So he is. Yeah. Um, what what a quick year, but also like the days are long, the years are short. I'm sure that rings true in some ways. It's so wild. Um, yeah, his mullet is amazing. Um, it's very interesting because people be like, hey, he's going to need a haircut. And I'm like, uh-uh. No, no way. <laughs> I want to see where this goes. <laughs> yes. Yes. People are oh saying that God. to me about the twins right now too. Oh, you're going to cut your their hair. I think it's time for a haircut. And I'm like, no, Bo was bald until he was like two and a half. I'm never touching this head of hair. I've never had a one-year-old with this much hair. So much hair. I put it in a little ponytail today and it was so adorable. Oh, so cute. Oh gosh. But also that was out of like making sure that his food, like he's got so much hair that he can hide a lot of stuff in there so right it was uh yeah it for later save it for later yeah exactly. he is he is he's so great both the boys it's just I, I know I was I was saying how excited I was for school to go back in tomorrow but it has been really nice to have this extra time mm-hmm. with them. yeah yeah absolutely it's yeah. that duality right yeah. parenthood that we talked about it's like okay it's time for you to go back but also i'm treasuring the time that we won't get back again together. well because when so they're home time. it's the bare minimum with work you do what you can do so yeah. it's nice to be able to get back and be able to focus and you know Correct. yeah because you can love two things like it coexists right yes i i love time with logan too but i also love to work and that motivates me and that gives me energy in a different way. So I'm definitely, yep, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> ready to rock and roll here. Yeah. <laughs> Lunch is going. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Clothes are out. You've never been more prepared yeah. for a Monday yeah. morning. Yeah. I even washed my hair today. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Oh, you're ready. Great. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Gonna blow let out. Us, let us maybe end with this and we'll give you the final thoughts or comments after this last question. But what do you want people to know about living in Cape Breton? Whether that's for those of us living and working and planting our roots here, if it's people considering building their coming future back. here. Hillary, come on Why, back, yeah, If you're listening, contributing to the community here, what is something as the mayor, as a, as a parent raising a young family in this community, what is it that you want others to know about it? Um, so... People might, I know a lot of people don't know this. I wasn't actually born in Cape Breton. My dad was in the military. So I know, right? I did not know that. <laughs> no, I, um, my dad was, yeah, he was in the military. So we moved around a lot until grade 11 is where I found myself in Cape Breton permanently. I mean, I spent my summers here in Manadu. My whole mm. family's from here. So, right. um, yeah, Cape Breton, I, I like I've, lived a lot of places. I lived over in Italy after university for a while. I really spread my wings and tried everything and tried to find home everywhere. But this is really, this is home Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be born here to feel like you're home. Now, people are very passionate here as well and very funny and very quirky, but I think it just makes every day interesting and sometimes funny, <laughs> but it, it like, I've never, ever felt more at home than I did here. And that's what drove me to want to be so involved in so much that now I'm the mayor. Like, right. Right. It's, 
it's home. It's a good home. It's a good home. It's a beautiful place to live. It really is. And let me tell you, like I had a baby in office to like a month and some days after being sworn in and people who I've never met, um, people from everywhere, they welcomed my baby. They showered him with love and, and gifts. We have, we had so many baby blankets that we could cover every child. I'm sure in the CBRM with mm. love, but this is a passionate place and it is home. That is so nice. I love that. That is so lovely. It really, you know, they say it might be cliche, but it takes a village to mm-hmm. raise a child. It takes mm-hmm. a village to raise all of us, right? And this is a good village. I like it. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. That's wonderful. What an awesome, what an awesome episode. This has been so good to just chat. Is there any about it all? Is there any other, is there anything you want to leave any of us with the listeners? Huh. We talked about a lot, a lot of good topics. We talked about a lot. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really happy we had this time together. And I'm happy because I, I don't get this opportunity to be, I guess, so real and raw. Mm-hmm. Usually it's so issue driven or, you know, right. topic specific. And so I am so grateful for both of you for making this an option for me because, you know, it's easy to be. I don't know, categorized as, oh, she's the mayor. She can only talk mm-hmm. about wastewater and garbage mm-hmm. and like that. But um, you don't get to show who you are as a person often. Right. And I oft, I don't feel comfortable doing that in, in many circumstances. So thank you for making it so comfortable and so fun. Well, we're, uh, the honor is ours. Like, yeah. I feel, yeah, I'm like starstruck this whole time yeah. too. Because <laughs> it's the, the honor mayor. Is, Come yeah. on. The only thing that could be better is if we were sitting together physically, but I'm going to, but I will take this. I will will do it. We will will do it for our next episode with you. We will be around your table. There's another invite, by the way. Yeah. I'll bring bring that uncomfortable chain of office and you guys. That's right. You have to. We'll try it on. I can't wait. What an honor. (laughs) The honor really is all of ours, all of ours, Amanda. I know our listeners agree. And it's so nice to be able to have you around our table to have this honest conversation and for you to be so raw and real. We really do appreciate it. And I know those listening will as well. You are inspiring and you are definitely worth the, your worship title. We are worshiping (laughs) you from close and far for sure. Um, So it is our pleasure to have you. And it's, I think it's our complete honor to have you leading our community and our municipality as well. So thank you for all you do in all of the ways, in all of your roles. We are inspired daily for sure. We always leave off with our questions that we ask all of our guests, our morning meeting questions. So Jessica, will start us off with these. Okay. So we'll just do the rapid ones first. I'm always, so I usually pick the, what would you rather for the guests? I'm like, I'm between a few. I might have to ask a few, but yes, do it to keep it simple for the first one, tea or coffee. What would you rather? Coffee. Coffee? So many coffees. Yeah. (laughs) All the coffees. How do you take it? Black. Although I I got a milk frother for Christmas and I am having a nice time with that thing. Ooh, very fancy. Yeah. Very fancy. For wine, would you rather white or red? Red. I do. I love like a dark Shiraz. Okay. Mm. 
I gotta yeah. get on the ridge because I'm a white, I'm a white wine gal. I will still drink red, white, white, white wine. Oh, right. I love wine. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. So good. I'm going to go with this one. Up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. No, no, I was going to just, I have one that I think I'm going to go with for the, what would you rather? I could have went political, yeah. but I feel like, you know what? I'm going to keep it simple. So Amanda, <laughs> would you rather explore space or the ocean? Oh, that's hard. Okay. It's hard because I feel like I'm a little, I would be really nervous doing both. Okay. And I love the ocean. I love swimming, but like the deep ocean kind of freaks me out because like, who knows what's down there. And in so space, scary. As a little girl, my biggest fear was like looking out the patio door at night and seeing an alien. I was like, I am not. <laughs> oh God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was. Hot. Edit this out. I'm asking you to do one. <laughs> it, those oh my God. Like, I, I guess like my family all fish and I've got stories. Yeah. My dad's a fisherman too, Neil. And yes, I, like the ocean kind of freaks me out a little bit. I love a swim. I love a beach. Yeah. Uh, aliens. There's something about aliens. I'm just not ready to, I would not do well in some sort of like apocalypse situation. We'll say. Right. Yeah. Sorry, folks. If it comes to it, you might need your deputy mayor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, here. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask one more. I want to ask one more. I'm going to go political now because I feel like that one was an epic fail. Are you, okay, no, ready? Are you choosing the ocean if you had to choose or you're choosing neither? I'm choosing neither. I just. Okay. I okay. So, we, so last another. Okay. So here's you're earthbound. One. Would you, <laughs> would you rather have a 10 hour dinner with a headstrong politician from an opposing party I wish you could all see your face right now <laughs> or attend a 10 hour concert for a mu- music group you detest. Um, I, I think I would go with the opposing politician because I, I, knew I you- feel like th- those are fun situations to be. Yeah. In. Yeah. yeah. And if you're skilled enough, you, you can flip that conversation mm. around and uh, yeah, have some fun. Yeah. Love, love it. That one. Love what it. are yeah. you choosing guests? Um, oh, I'll go to the concert because I'm the worst debater ever. Like my husband, <laughs> it frustrates me so much because my husband could, can debate so well. And I just can't, I just can't form the words quick enough. I can't form my thoughts quick enough. I have a hard time expressing what I'm saying. It, it comes across a lot on this podcast, but sometimes I'm like, Sarah, help. Come here, please help me with my words. Um, yeah. that's why we work so well, but yeah, um, I'd have to choose the, the concert. I feel like I could just get down with it. You know, I'd have to have a, maybe a wine or two. Like there's ways. Yeah. Ways. yeah. But yeah, okay. no, I would never, I would never do the political party one. No, 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 no. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? I would, I would choose the political party. I oh, think. I knew you one, would. I yeah. just, <laughs> I like a good conversation yeah. where we can learn from one another or try to yeah. find like a healthy debate. But I also think I love music. But if I don't like a certain type of music mm-hmm. or song, I feel like that's definition of torture to have to listen to it <laughs> for 10 hours. <laughs> so I think I would have to go with that one. What about the space or the ocean, Jess? Well, I have this thing about space. Um, I think it's the most crazy thing in the world. Like I always say, like, I, I don't smoke marijuana, but there would be like that would be the time. Like, because I feel like if I was to, I'd have like because space to me. I feel high when I talk about space because it's such an, uh, it's such a crazy concept. It's so big and there's yeah, so much to, to it. 
But then the ocean, like I'm terrified of drowning. I have a huge fear of like water. I don't know. I'm going, I'm going neither on that one too. Yeah. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. I would not go to the ocean. I think the, I think the ocean is like the scariest place to be. Same thing. I love a good swim, like paddle around yeah, in like, the waves, come back out, but like the deep snorkeling. Ocean, <laughs> no, I, think I know. There's some scary stuff there that we have no idea Ooh, about. I feel like I'm going to have nightmares tonight. well amanda this was such a lovely time we appreciate your time so much thank you for joining us around the morning meeting table love it it. we can't wait to have you back again thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom and experience it's been an absolute pleasure and an absolute honor if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe to our podcast and give us a review you can find us on social media at the morning meeting podcast and connect with us through email at themorningmeetingpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for sitting around our table, Sarah and Jess.